0: Welcome to the Hidden Orchard podcast. On this podcast, we will explore the deeper concepts in the intersection of Jewish wisdom, the New Testament, and science. We will bring you fascinating insights from the ancient and modern sources, all with the goal of improving and getting the most out of life. Visit our website at thehiddenorchard.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get more information like this. Now, today's episode. Of the parables told in the Gospels, the parable of the lost sheep is among the most popular. Yet, there's a background to this story that many readers may not be aware of. For those unfamiliar with the passage, let's go through this, Matthew eight twelve through 14 If someone owns a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go look for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice more over it than over the ninety-nine, That did not go astray. In that same way, the Father in heaven is not willing that one of these little ones will be lost. Again, that's the Gospel of Matthew. And this is a little bit after the um, opening of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5. So we're a few chapters in. This parable exemplifies how Jesus often co-ops rabbinic midrash, these folk stories, these homiletic sermons, if you will, to illustrate a point. In this, he uses many metaphoric elements of the Jewish oral tradition, teaching the surprising spiritual dynamics of repentance. And this is a good teaching tool for a rabbi, an itinerant rabbi particularly, because he knows his audience already has a certain foundation of information that he can build upon. The parable in the gospel begins with the mention of mountains. While this could be a simple reference for visual effect and certainly the landscape of the Galilee, Is rolling with hills and mountains off in the distance. Uh, Mountains are also a metaphor to represent moments of teaching or enlightenment. We see this in the Torah and other midrash, but particularly when Moses ascends Mount Sinai to receive the tablets. Again, we see Moses on Mount Horeb, where he delivers the speech, the teaching, the sermon, if you will, of Deuteronomy. Uh, And that's also a renewed giving of the Torah. So again, it has the same theme as Mount Sinai. So the Sermon on the Mount beginning in Matthew 5, has Jesus ascending to the mountain to teach his students. Again, it seems the Gospel writers are trying to connect him with this element of teaching and discourse from the mountaintop, connecting him with the authority and the Torah of Moses. In this parable, the 99 sheep are on the mountain. They're engaged in what they should be doing. They're not lost. The subject of the parable is the single sheep that has wandered away. In the Midrash Rabbah, an ancient collection of Jewish homiletics, we see a story involving Moses, and it's very similar, it has a striking uh, parallel to this. And it goes like this. Our teachers have said, while Moses, our teacher, was tending Jethro's sheep, one of the sheep ran away. Moses ran after it until he reached a small, shaded place. There, the lamb came across the pool and began to drink. As Moses approached the lamb, he said, I did not know you ran away because you were thirsty, you must be so exhausted. Then he put the lamb on his shoulders and carried him back. The Holy One said, Since you tend the sheep of human beings with such overwhelming love, by your life, I swear you shall be the shepherd of my sheep, Israel. And that's Midrash Exodus Rabbah 2.2. The Midrash here focuses on the character and the leadership qualities of Moses, his humility and his compassion. His concern for a single lost animal indicates to God that he has what it takes to lead the nation of Israel with great empathy. With a slight modification to this, Jesus co-ops this storyline, turning the emphasis towards the lost sheep, changes the perspective just a little bit. In a simple sense, the sheep represents those who have wandered into sin and error. You can make the case that his story might also be a reference to the tribes who were lost to exile, the lost sheep of Israel, as he states his mission is oriented towards. He's trying to show that God always leaves the gates of repentance open for us, and will even send help to get us back on track when we stray. In the Gospel rendition, the repentance of the one is cause for a great celebration in the upper worlds. Indeed, repentance is significant and worthy of such joy. When one repents, we often recognize the change in their lives, but we seldom realize the impact this brings on a larger scale, on a global scale. A great repair is made through this process, which actually moves everyone in the world one step closer to redemption. On this, the sages of the Talmud teach, he who acts righteously tips the balance of the entire world to merit and saves it. In the parable of the lost sheep, this wayward sinner becomes the primary focus of heaven. This is cause for celebration. This is a huge achievement to overcome sin from that lowly place. The Talmud says where repentant sinners stand, the thoroughly righteous cannot stand. Put another way, the escape velocity required to change a bad habit is more significant than someone who has already overcome that particular struggle. For instance, if someone has given up on alcohol years ago, someone who's struggling with alcohol will have a different reaction if they walk into a bar. Someone who's already moved away from that habit will likely have no problem abstaining from drinking where someone who's currently in the throes of alcoholism may stumble. This is why the shepherd finds it acceptable to leave the 99 in search of the one. In human economies, it's wise to cut our losses, preserve what we have, let go of whatever we lost. It was only one, after all, right? However, in God's economy, this is not so. Every person contains a spark of the Creator and is vitally important. The lesson can be extended to all of us. Anytime we repent from a mistake or a negative pattern, we finding ourselves even one degree. We tip the cosmic scales to the side of good. Of course, none of us are on the level of Moses, and it can be easy to believe that we have little power to change the world around us, but tradition teaches us the power of the individual. Therefore, the decisions we make and the tiny steps we take to better ourselves have cosmic influence well beyond our perception, and we would do well to remember that in all we do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information like this, again, visit our website, thehiddenorchard.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter and look out for other articles posted there throughout the weeks. Reach out to us and let us know what you think of the show. Until next time, have a great week.